The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. Uh, I am the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. So we're still in the midst of a series on exploring the power of intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And this is an important book. So I've been taking my time teaching it little by little, making sure that all the little nuances are taught. But today I'm going to wrap up chapter four, which is obstacles to connecting to intention. I've already taught two podcasts on this chapter. So I want to make sure that we're moving on and getting to the other material. So I'm going to start with the bottom of page 73 in the book, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. There's uh, what he calls a mini program for raising your energy vibration. So remember, this chapter is about what's interfering with your ability to be in alignment with truth. So it says, the first thing is become conscious of your thoughts. Every thought impacts you. As Reverend Coleman used to say, I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. So as you're thinking, you have to recognize that you have a dominant way of thinking. And I'm not saying every little surface thought is going to wreck your life, but you have to recognize how your thoughts are trending. How your thoughts are trending. What's your dominant way of thinking? What's your dominant way of looking at life? What's your dominant belief systems? Because those are the things that are radiating from you and attracting experiences to you. All right. Are your thoughts based upon love or fear? Are they based upon faith or doubt? Are they based on strength and courage or weakness? Because they will have an effect on you. So you have to recognize that you can't afford to let your mind take you where you don't want to go. There's no other way for me to say that. You can't afford to let your mind take you where you want to, don't want to go. That doesn't mean that you can never be sad or you can never be, you know, uh, grieve or things of that nature. But all the thing I'll say is a metaphysician, and you know, this is a big conversation amongst new thought people about, you know, being present and accepting what's happening and then going from there. Now you can be present from my perspective and aware of what's going on in your soul, but don't allow your thoughts to snowball you to a place that you might not be able to get out of. So as once you recognize that you're out of alignment, get help, call Christ Universal Temple Prayer Ministry, call Silent Unity, get pastoral counseling, get mental health, a mental health professional to counsel you, uh, do your prayer work, do your meditation work, get help, read, whatever you need to do. Don't let your mind snowball. I use the analogy of a snowball falling off of a mountain peak. Don't allow your the snowball to turn into an avalanche. 
catch it if you can when it's not as looming, it's not as large, not as big. Don't let it turn into a Goliath. If you do let it turn into a Goliath, it's going to require a lot more work to, to get past it. And again, I'm not saying to nobody that you're always going to be uh, you know, singing Pharrell songs, so I'm happy all the time, 24-7. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's possible to live at a different level of awareness spiritually to the space that where even as you're dealing with the emotions that come up in life, you get to choose what you want to focus on. And I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing, ignoring it, putting your head in the hole like an ostrich when it comes to your emotions and your feelings. I'm talking about being very clear about what is it that you're seeking to create? What is it that you're seeking to create with your life, with your mind, with your mentality? Because when you're clear about what you're seeking to do, it makes all the difference in the world. So we say in UFBL that we believe that the right basis for thinking is love, love of ourselves and our fellow human beings. So lead with love. And if you are loving yourself first, and I understand they say, well, love God, but I, I understand that you really got to love yourself to really truly love God. You can't love anything. And God expresses as you. But even if we're using old, the old paradigm, how can you truly love anyone? If you don't know how to love you, how can you honor anyone if you can't honor yourself? All right. Next point is meditation. Make meditation a regular practice in your life. He wrote, meditation allows you to make conscious contact with your source and regain the power of intention by assisting you in cultivating a receptivity that matches up with the force of creation. That goes without saying. Scripture says in 46, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. You have to get to the space to where you know you can be still. The, you know, whether it's contemplative meditation, which I did a sermon on. If you go on the Christ Universal Temple uh, YouTube page, which is CU Temple, the letter CU and the word temple together. And on May, I think it was May 29th. But anyway, it was in May, but I'm almost positive it was May 29th. I did a whole lesson on meditation, contemplative meditation. And I think it would be very beneficial on, again, Christ Universal Temple's YouTube page, CU Temple. I believe it was May 29th where I did a lesson on contemplative meditation, the pros and the cons, the health benefits, the mental benefits, the spiritual benefits. You go there, listen to that lesson, and I think you'll get what you need. The main thing is do it. And it has to be consistent. You have to make the commitment and then you have to be consistent because if you're on and off and on and off and on and off, you're going to get on and off results. The next point is become conscious of the foods you eat. Now he gives a lot, goes a lot into, you know, Ackerheim versus non, you know, sugary foods and all of those type of things. So, so what I'll just say to you very strict, very clearly and calmly is we know that there are foods that are healthier for us than others. And I also know that you know how your body feels when you eat certain type of foods, even if you eat it, does it slow you down? Does it drag you down? Does it give you energy? Does, you know, what does it do? You know, I, 
we have to be mindful of what we're consuming because it it literally can affect us. I, I often tell people who have children, I was like, hey, you know, first, when your kids get up, the first thing they should be doing is drinking water. I was like, the body is 70%, some 70 to 80% water. So they've been sleeping all day, all night, rather, eight, nine, sometimes 10 hours. And you wake up. And then, okay, they're eating Fruit Loops and milk and, you know, uh, and they're not drinking water, the very thing that will activate their brains, that will wake up their bodies to be able to do what they need to be able to do. That's just one example. But there's other things. As an adult, we'll do that with coffee. Okay, we'll get up in the morning, not drink water, drink coffee. And then we wonder why. And I'm not telling people not to drink their coffee, by the way. I'm not a coffee drinker. But. I'm not telling you not to drink your water. That's not my business. My point is do the things that make sense to make your body work. And there are certain things we do as habit culturally that doesn't necessarily give us the best benefit or opportunities to win. That's all I'm saying. Give yourself the opportunity to win by what you eat. Okay. All right. The next one is retreat from low energy substances. Now he talks about, you know, you know, uh, alcohol and drugs and, and things of that nature, bringing the energy of vibration of your body down. Again, he's just, again, I'm not telling anybody not to drink that glass of wine or have their beer. You do what you want to do. What he's saying is there's certain things that bring your energy up and your, and there are certain things that bring your energy down. Be mindful of it. All right. He said, simply by consuming low energy substances, you will find people with similar low energy showing up regularly in your life. Take it or leave it. All right. Then he wrote, become conscious of the energy level of the music you listen to. And he gives his examples and reasons why he believes what he believes. Um, I think it can be validity to this. Um, In high school, I was in a shop that did electronics and we would study the sine waves of music. And there's some truth to uh, the sine waves and how, you know, things can calm you, things can rile you up energetically. Sometimes you want to be energetic and, and move music that moves their body and makes you want to move, you know, as far as lyrics and things of that nature, you, you know, you have to be mindful of that. You know, I, matter of fact, what's funny about this is I remember watching an interview online of a Snoop Dogg, who's a well-known gangster rapper. And he said that he had to be mindful because the moment he started rapping about shooting and killing folks and murder, this, that, and the other, next thing you know, he had a murder case. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, so he said he's very mindful about, you know, making those type of songs now. He says because it, it got him caught up. Now, we have to be mindful, and I know it's easy just to say, okay, that's just the rap music, but there's been songs throughout the years that play on the human emotion. You know, loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. Those are songs, you know, um, you know, in R&B and blues and country, uh, pop music, et cetera, that have, that people are singing and impressing their subconscious minds with consistently. And you just got to be mindful. All right. Then he wrote, become aware of the energy levels of your home environment. He talks about, you know, having your home 
And he talks about feng shui and some other things that people have in their houses and colors and all of that type of stuff. What I'll say is simply this. A disorganized home affects your mind. Divine order matters. So when, when your home is out of order, that's a reflection of your mind. And if you get used to stuff just being disorganized, that means that you're used to not only external disorganization, but you've become resigned to uh, internal disorder and disorganization. So be really mindful about how that shows up in your life in real time. Next thing is he talks about commercial and cable TV bringing low energy. Now, one of the things that I have to be mindful of because I love the good action movie myself is the average child, especially, especially, you know, the, 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 the adolescent brain, but adults across the board were inundated with images of violence, inundated with images of disrespect, uh, lack of courtesy, uh, dishonesty, manipulation, uh, hypersexuality, all over the TV, all over movies, all over streaming platforms, all on regular bandwidth TV. It's everywhere. And, and that doesn't even mention the fact that the news, who should just be presenting news, will often present only the bad news and nothing of the good things that are happening in the neighborhoods of our communities. On top of that, um, you know, uh, you know, like I often say, Hey, they'll show somebody, you know, uh, you know, and I'm just going to say it plainly because this is how I say it. You know, I said, they'll show some young black guy robbing a convenience store or gas station and two blocks down is 100 black lawyers uh, raising funds to give, uh, to the community Christmas toys. What's going, which one's going to make the news? Now, I'm not saying that they have to choose one or the other, but show both. And then you have cable news, which is used to riling up their base. So it's very difficult at times to objectively understand what you should be tuning in and not tuning into. You know, uh, you know, well, spiritual brother, Reverend Dr. Michael Beckwith often talks about the news being a prayer request. And when you see something that's out of alignment, get yourself in alignment and recognize that it's a prayer request. Now, we have to be honest about violence. If it's being projected everywhere you look, video games, TV, whatever. And I'm not one of those people that says, okay, that's the primary problem or why people are shooting people in the streets, but we can't get away from the fact that we've desensitized violence. We've desensitized it. We've de desensitized gun violence and violence in general. And I'm not saying that people can't go to their movies again. I love a good action movie. I'd be the first to tell you, um, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it. And some people can handle that better than others. You got to know energetically yet again, how things are affecting you. How they're affecting you. I don't like reality TV shows because I think they're ratchet and raunchy and disrespectful and um, hyper ignorant. 
Therefore, I avoid them. And I don't like many way, times in which they, in particular, portray the African-American community. Therefore, I try to avoid them, the love and hip hops and all that other stuff, because I know how that can subconsciously affect folks. People start believing this is how you got to interact with people to make stuff happen instead of leading with love, instead of recognizing that as a spiritual being who is a conscious person, that means you should be using the tools of spirituality to, to succeed, not the weapons of the world to succeed. Then it goes on to say, enhance your energy field with photographs. He talks about photographs around to help you uh, remember times of happiness, love, and et cetera, et cetera. So put them in your workplace, put them in the home, put them, et cetera. Make sure that you can see things. You know, it's good to be reminded of good times. You got enough people telling you about the world being horrible and violent and scary and whatever. You have to remind yourself of the good times. You have to remind yourself of God's wholeness. You have to remind yourself of love. You have to remind yourself of why you do what you do. So keep those pictures, you know, when I, on my screensaver on my phone. Uh, so, you know, on my lock screen on my iPhone, I have a picture of myself and my daughter. And it's a great reminder. And I change it from time to time, you know, et cetera. But I keep it because it's a great reminder to me every time I look at that phone that I have to be the man that my daughter can look up to and be proud of. It's very important to me that she will always, and always, I mean, like literally always be proud of how her daddy presents himself. So I keep that picture there. It's a great reminder. It's also a great reminder of, hey, you got to succeed. Even though she's grown now, what you do affects her. Obviously, I'm a wife and a stepdaughter and things of that nature. But subconsciously, I know that that picture is a great reminder. Be the man. Always be the man that she can look up to. Always be the man that she knows she can count on. Always be the man that she can be proud of. It makes a difference. And I keep a lock screen, also a picture of my mom, because it's also when I open my phone, because it's mom. Anyway, next one is become conscious of the energy levels of your acquaintances, friends, and extended family. He wrote, you can raise your own energy levels by being in the energy field of others who resonate closely to spiritual consciousness. This is what happens when you're around spiritual communities, uh, people who are praying and meditating and worshiping. You get... You become a part of that collective consciousness. It's an easy way to lift yourself up. I just finished um, being, a, we had, the, we hosted, Christ Universal Temple hosted the International New Thought Alliance 107th Annual Congress. And it was interesting because of the pandemic, many of these New Thought leaders from around the country, I hadn't seen in three years. and it felt great seeing faces that I have not seen because we haven't been going to all of the different religious and spiritual conferences or going to each other's churches and speaking like we were pre-2020. Therefore, 
it was great to be around them and hearing them speak and listening to their perspectives on listening to them pray or listening to them give a guided meditation. What it did was it stirred up the gift in me. So when you're around people of high spiritual consciousness, it lifts you up. When you show up at that worship service and the choir is singing or people are praying or however you worship, it lifts you up. Give yourself the benefit of being around folks who can help you rise in consciousness, help you get to the next level, not just bring you down. He wrote, choose to be in close proximity to people who are empowering, who appeal to your sense of connection to intention, who see the greatness in you, who feel connected to God, and who live a life that gives evidence that spirit has found celebration through them. All right. Now, why is this important? Because when you're around low energy people, low consciousness people, it pulls you down. It drags you down and pulls you down to low common denominators. Now, when you reach a certain level to where you can spiritually be around people and they don't bother you energetically, great. But until then, be mindful. Only engage when you're being guided by spirit to do something. If it's your responsibility, figure out either how to not have it be your responsibility or handle it as swiftly and quickly as possible so you can get out of that energetic signature. It's important that when you go around people, like I'm a big believer, energetically, I don't feel something. I don't go around them. Energetically, if people are not where I need them to be, I have the kind I'm not always I always have a conversation. What I'll say is simply I'll I'll create some what's the word I want to use? Um, some some bottom line, some that's not the word I want to use. Uh, really some I'll create distance between me having to deal with people that I really don't want to be around their energy. I'll create distance and I'll create some borders, some natural mental and emotional borders around them, including limiting my time, limiting my energy, limiting my focus, because I don't want to be around folks who just bring my energy down. And here's the thing. The closer you are emotionally to a person, the easier they have the opportunity to pull you down. So you got to be mindful who are, who's in your circle. Because if they're in your circle and they're pulling you down, they have a higher probability of crashing your life. And that meaning they're literally crashing your life. You're allowing it to happen. All right. So he wrote, stay in the energy field of higher energy people and your anger, hate, fear, and depression will melt, magically converting to the higher expressions of intention. Now, that's true unless you're deep in the hole. If you're deep in the hole emotionally, deep depression, anxiety, et cetera, go get help. Go get help. Suicidal, go get help. Sometimes just being around highly spiritual people might not be enough if they're not conscious of what's going on with you. And sometimes even when they are, um, if they're not putting that intention to helping you lift up, in other words, where two or three are gathered together in my name and help you lift up, sometimes you just need to go get some help. I put people on regimens of 
told people, go get a therapist. Now call Silent Unity for the next 40 days and say these affirmations and read this book. I believe that when you are really seeking to radically change your life, you need to step into a level of immersion. You got to be all in. You can't dip your toe into the water. You got to jump into the pool. It has to be all in to change and get yourself out of the hole. Sometimes you have to explode out of the hole. You can't step by step, step by step. And that's great sometimes. But sometimes when you're deep in the hole, you have to explode out of the hole. All right. Next thing is monitor your activities and where they take place. All right. And again, where you go, who you hang out with, what you do when you're there, all that matters. All of that matters. Again, being around low energy, low consciousness, uh, drama, trauma, um, people arguing about nonsense and silliness and unnecessary uh, conflict, because conflict can be good if it helps you create newness and it's done respectfully, honestly, and in, in integrity and you lead with love. It can still be done. But you know what I mean? When you hang around mess, you get messy. When you hang around mess, you get messy. If you play with a puppy, you'll get licked in the face. Stop playing with mess. Stop playing with mess. He wrote it this way. Every activity has an energy field. Field. Choose to be in places where the energy fields reflect the seven faces of intention. The next one is ex extend acts of kindness, asking for nothing in return. So this is just like, okay, how can I show up as love? How can I show up as giving? How can I show up as service? Pay it forward. Somebody, somebody has been nice to you. Somebody has been kind to you. Pay it forward. And then this is also the law of giving and receiving. So as you give freely, you receive freely, press down, shaking together and running over. And when you show up as service, as giving, as kindness, it also suppresses the ego's need for gratification and acknowledgement. OK, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do, even if I don't, if any, no one ever knows about it. Let me pay for this person's lunch. Oh, this person's struggling. Let me go over there and help them clean that up or move that up and do whatever. You know, let me, let me, you know, I got the snow blower out already. Let me just blow the snow off of my uh, uh, neighbor's house and out of his driveway. Little acts of kindness. Pay it forward. Okay, pay it forward. I told someone just yesterday uh, who who's a traditional, I mean, not, uh, that's not the word I want to use, who's a fundamentalist Christian. I, I said to her, I don't believe that most Christians trust love. I believe, I told her point blank, I don't believe that most Christians trust, trust love. I said most Christians trust the ways of the world because if we trusted love, we would utilize love as a tool. 
because that's the tool Jesus used. He said, "You, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Not how smart you are, not how many scriptures you can quote, not how righteous you think you are or pious. People, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. But can you trust love? Do you trust love, and love enough to heal conflict, to prosper you, to help you succeed? Or do you have to go pick up the 48 laws of power and figure out how to manipulate human personalities? I'm just saying. All right. Then he wrote, be specific when you affirm your intentions to raise your energy level and create your desires. Now, you know, I've this is my thing. Reverend Ike used to say, you must be definite with the infinite. So he talks about making sure that you're affirming and you're being specific about what it is that you're seeking to demonstrate again. What am I seeking to create? Be specific. Affirm it, write it down. I'm a big believer. Catherine Ponder has a method that's wonderful. And I taught this. If you go back in the podcast, through the podcast, and you find my Open Your Mind to Prosperity series, Open Your Mind to Prosperity, I teach how Catherine Ponder used spoken word affirmation and how she would use uh, writing down your affirmations and then what she called treasure maps, some people call vision boards and other things, methods in which you condition your mind to accept what it is that you desire so you can get an alignment energetically with it. So you, I would suggest go back and listen to those podcasts because I think those episodes were three in a row. And I give great detail about how to work with affirmations and and I think on the series I did on, on Lessons in Truth, I also taught denials and affirmations. And I've taught it in other things, but those are two you can go back and listen to immediately and get a lot of good from it. Then he wrote, as frequently as possible, hold thoughts of forgiveness in your mind. All right. Now, I'm a big believer in what Gerald Jampolsky wrote. Forgiveness means giving up all hopes for a better past. You got to let it go. You can't grow if you're holding on to the past. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're giving a person a pass. Forgiveness does not mean you agree with what happened. It, 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 it's not blaming the victim. It's choosing your own freedom. So sometimes you just have to say, God released this through me, release this from my soul. Because you don't know how to humanly do it. You don't know how to think it. God, I release, I let go, and I let God. Why do you think about it? Think about the situation, the person, place, or thing. I release, let go, and let God, and then breathe. Then pull it up again. I release, I let go, and I let God, and breathe. And do it as often as you can until the emotional tightness, which will show up not only mentally, emotionally, but also in your body is released. All right. Then I'm going to cover one more thing and then we're going to take a quick break, which is your self-importance. And what he's basically talking about on page 82 is being more mindful of how you make life about you and only you. 
your own self-importance is more important than other people. Yesterday, I'm in the car and I'm in my truck and I'm driving, leaving the church parking lot, and somebody takes one of those latte cups or whatever, and they just toss it out out of, uh, out of their truck onto the street. Now, of course, that's going to end up in front of the church and one of our maintenance people will have to pick it up. But I looked at it from the perspective of not just a person being a loitering, but also having self-importance. You're so important that you don't have time to properly handle or put up your garbage. You're so important that somebody else has to clean up behind you. You're so important that somebody has to pay to do it. You're so important that how a neighborhood looks or how a home looks or a business looks because of litter is more uh, is less important than your temporary need to just disregard what you don't want in your space right now. Self-importance. Ego run amok. And people might not look at it from that standpoint, but it's really saying, okay, your inconvenience is okay as long as it's convenient for me. That's self-importance. So we're going to stop here, not stop, but we're going to take a, a moment and uh, a moment for a quick break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm still teaching the book, (laughs) The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. I'm wrapping up chapter four, Obstacles to Connecting to Intention. So he has in this chapter also seven steps for overcoming ego's hold on you. So the first one is stop being offended. Now this might seem very difficult because some people are always a button ready to be pushed. All right. He wrote, if you're looking for occasions to be offended, you will find them at every turn. This is your ego at work convincing you that the world shouldn't be the way that it is. Just looking to be offended. You see this a lot on social media. Everybody's offended. Everybody's triggered. Nobody has thick skin anymore. I'm not saying that's true, but it shows up like that or consistently on social media. And we have to be mindful of that. Some people are just waiting to be offended. He wrote, you can't reach the power of intention by being offended. By all means, act to eradicate the horrors of the world, which emanate from massive ego identification, but stay in peace. You can handle things without get lowering your level of consciousness and being triggered by every little thing. Address the issues that need to be addressed. 
and stay at peace. Reverend Ike used to say, be careful who offends you. Why? Because he was basically saying, if you're not careful about who offends you, what you end up doing is <laughs> if a person knows that you're easily offended and but you're highly skilled and capable, the only thing they have to do is distract you. And now you, you will give up your own power. You will diminish your own effectiveness because your mind is distracted by silliness. Next thing is, number two are the seven steps for overcoming ego's hold on you. Let go of your need to win. Now, this can be challenging, and I'll be honest with you because I love to win just as much as anybody. You know, if you play me in any game, I'm playing to win. I don't care if it's adults or children. So I get this one for real. The time, there are times where you just have to step back. I got to win this argument. I got to win my position. I got to win this debate. I got to win this argument. And it don't, doesn't necessarily get you where you want to be. You know, I, I used to be a, a, a person who used to um, vigorously defend new thought. Uh, you know, show up and people would talk about Christ Universal Temple and what they're doing out there and whatever around me. And I literally would do a seek and destroy mission on whatever they believed. Oh, you're Baptist or you're Pentecostal or you're Catholic or you're whatever. And I would, because I'm so well read, I would just ask them, okay, if you, you say you believe this, why? And then I would dissect their religious beliefs. And I used to get such the ego high from it. Now I just don't care. Believe what you want to believe. Cause I'm not even here for the debate. My sheep hear my voice. Our sheep hear our voice. What that means is those who are in tune with what we're seeking to produce, whether they call it new thought or no thought, will be drawn to us. And when people hear it and they want more of it, they will engage with it. We, our job is not to convince, convert, or coerce anybody, as Dr. Rocco Errico used to say. Our job is to present the truth and we let God do the rest. So I just want you all to be present to that. Um, as Stephen Covey would say, think win-win. I be really believe that's the Jesus Christ way. Think win-win. Win-win, not lose, not win-lose, win-win. Because that other person's a child of God. And win-win doesn't always mean we got to do it together. Now, back to the book. Number three. Let go of your need to be right. This goes along with winning because some people rather be right than whole. Some people will bring the ship down trying to be right. All right. He wrote, when you are, um, the ego is the source of a lot of conflict and dissension because it pushes you in the direction of making other people wrong. When you're hostile, you're, you've disconnected from the power of intention. So then he wrote, when you let go of the need to be right, you are able to strengthen your connection to the power of intention. But keep in mind that the ego is a determined combatant. I've seen people willing to die rather to let go of being right. So he wrote a question. Do I want to be right or happy? I used to say, do I want to be whole? I used to teach that in the context of forgiveness. Do I want to be whole? Okay, so let me do the things that's going to bring about wholeness. All right. Number four, let go of your need to, to be superior. He wrote, true nobility isn't about being better than someone else. 
It's about being better than you used to be. Stay focused on your growth with a constant awareness that no one on this planet is any better than anyone else. As scripture says in the book of Acts, God is no respecter of person. There is no big people and little people, average people and superstars. All of these things are perceptions. All right. He wrote, he quotes um, A Course of Miracle, with Course of Miracles when he wrote or he put in his book. Specialness always makes comparisons. It is established by lack seen in another and maintained by searching for and keeping in clear sight all lacks it can perceive. What that means is we're always trying to make the distinction of special people versus non-special people. Now, that does not mean that your work and your qualifications does not put you in certain places that other people have not earned. For instance, you know, if you have a particular skill, whatever that is, you know, I'm a speaker, teacher, theologian, preacher, minister. But my older brother, who is the operator for construction companies, if I had to go get into one of those big machine, earth moving machines, uh, I would possibly harm people and destroy stuff, including myself, trying to operate something I'm not qualified to do. So it's distinctive, not better. It's just distinctive in its own lane. Then he wrote, excuse me, then he went on to say number five, let go of your need to have more. And what this means is not that don't, you know, not, you know, he's not saying don't be prosperous or successful. He's saying you got to understand the need. See, see, there's a difference between I got to have more than you as an ego need as an ego driven need versus seeking to express the goodness of God and enjoying the goodness of God and sharing the goodness of God and experiencing the goodness of God. So this is why almost every major religion teaches giving, teaches service, teaches support, because when we understand that that's a part of the process, it helps the ego. He wrote, Yet in reality, you've already arrived and how you choose to use this present moment of your life is your choice. Ironically, when you stop needing more, more of what you desire seems to arrive in your life. So some people are driven by lack. So it doesn't make a difference what they have. I remember a gentleman telling me, telling a group of us at a seminar that he was an early achiever, very good in school very good at everything that he did. But part of it was because his father was so hard on him and never praised and always had these uh, sometimes, in his opinion, beyond realistic expectations that his son had to be perfect at everything. So he's going to prove to his dad, I can be, I'm, I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to make more money than you. I'm going to have a prettier wife than you. I'm going to live in a bigger house than you. I'm going to drive a bigger car than you. I'm going to have a bigger bank account than you. I'm going to have a better and more investments than you. And he did all of those things and he wasn't happy because he was doing them for the wrong reason. And once he recalibrated through 
enlightenment and spiritual education, he was able to now still be highly successful without the traps of the ego that was driving him not even to be able to enjoy the fruit of his labor. Number six, let go of identifying yourself on the basis of your achievements. And he, I love it how he, how he writes it. He writes, this may be difficult, a difficult concept if you think you are your achievements. Then he wrote, God writes all the music. God sings all the songs. God builds all the buildings. God is the source of all your achievements. I just want you to be present to that. God, 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 God only, just God. The mind I use, I got from God. The body I use, I got from God. The talent I use, I got from God. Just God. Just God. That doesn't mean you haven't worked to develop or enhance the talents you have. And and you should rightfully acknowledge that. And always acknowledge the source of everything that you have. That's why something as simple as saying grace before you eat makes a difference. Now, you know, even though my daughter's grown, if we sit down and eat and she doesn't say it, I'm like, hey, what, what you doing? I, I raised you better than that. Stop and acknowledge. And give thanks for this meal in front of you. Not from a standpoint of people who say they're starving people all over the world. No, just give thanks because what you... Gratitude, an attitude of gratitude creates the ability to express more. Be grateful. Give thanks. Give praise. It makes a difference. Number seven, let go of your reputation. He wrote, your reputation is not located in you. It resides in the minds of others. Therefore, you have no control over it at all. And I think that what what this made me think of is uh, something Michael Beckwith told me many years ago. Uh, we were all at some event and, you know, he was, he was, you know, dancing up a storm on the dance floor and, uh, you know, and, and a younger minister representing Johnny Coleman at this conference, I, you know, I was, you know, full suit and tie, you know, showing up the way I was trained to show up, which is nothing wrong with that. That was proper. But then he said to me, Galen, Jesus was a free man. And what that he meant from that moment was, and point was, Jesus was free to be himself authentically in the moment. So when he wanted to dance, he could dance. When he needed to preach, he preached. When he needed to heal, he healed. But he was free. He, the expectations of this is how you got to always show up in this particular way based upon others' expectations was not something that Jesus allowed. And Beckwith sharing that gift with me as a young minister helped me realize, okay, I can show up as authentically gay. And that doesn't mean that it has to show up any other way. So if I choose to dance or not dance, which, which, as long as it's my choice and it's my free choice, not the expectations of others or the other ways 
people have expect things when it comes to uh, spiritual leaders, then I have to be mindful of that. Now, choose to be free. That doesn't mean everybody's going to accept you, nor should they have to, because just like you have choice and freedom, they have choice and freedom as well. So what you expect, give. Now, that doesn't mean that jobs and professions that have expectations, policies, and procedures shouldn't be followed. Absolutely, they should. If you can't follow along with them, you are free. Go somewhere else where you don't have to follow them. Or in civil society where there are laws and rules to maintain civil society, uh, you can go live up in the forest somewhere in the woods by yourself drinking uh, water from the river and the well and not living around anybody and living off the land and not worry about that type of stuff. But if not, then I understand that. That's, but the freedom I'm talking about is showing up authentically as you and what that means. So I'm going to stop here. And next week, we're going to jump into your impact on others when connected to intention. So with that, I'm going to just say thank you for listening. Thank you for following along with this podcast uh, on this new format and those who listen from the old format. I appreciate you. I love you even if I don't know you because I know who you are. God bless you and enjoy the rest of your day. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.